Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 18, 2013. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page XXX in the doctor's opinion. The last paragraph on that page that begins, this immediately precipitates us. The reference number for yesterday, the share code for yesterday, which was Wednesday, April 17th, is 4280. 4280. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'd now like to ask Janine to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. <clears throat> Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Irini. I'd now like to ask Margaret to please read the 12 traditions. Hello. Thank you, Janice. And hello, everyone. My name is Margaret H., compulsive overeater from Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 
8, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Ms. Margaret, very much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the doctor's opinion on page XXX. And we are at the bottom of that page, the paragraph that begins, this immediately precipitates us. And this morning I would like to ask Penny C. to please get us started. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny C. from the Boston area, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. Much has been written pro and con, but among physicians, the general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. Uh, wow, wow, this is a short but powerful sentence, and it, it really makes me realize the very, very serious nature of my disease that I, without having read and studied and practiced the what I learn here in the doctor's opinion, that I could still be feeling doomed, as I did before, when I just couldn't stop. Um, well, I could stop, but I couldn't stay stopped. And I did come to the the point where I just had to thought, I just had to accept that I was always going to be fat. I was always going to be unhappy. Um, I would I would never have a normal life, and thank thank God that the twelve steps entered my life, and I can I can look at that past as if it were some other woman long time ago. But I wanted to talk too about the the um, controversy among physicians who, having treated many many alcoholics really saw no no way, no way that they could treat them. And Dr. Silkworth comes along with his phenomenon of craving and says the only relief we have is abstinence. And so it, as it says here, it threw these doctors into this seething cauldron, uh, hot, hot seething cauldrons, a, a hot frying pan of debate, Lots of anger involved in, in high emotions in that. And, and, and finally, after they finally saw that there were chronic alcohol, alcoholics that were recovering because of the idea that they, they were able to see that they had this phenomenon of craving and were able to be abstinent, then more and more doctors jumped on board. And that's what I see today in... in, in uh, in the medical community when it comes to um, obesity and compulsive overeating, many doctors still just wring their hands 
and say it's the hardest condition they've ever treated. And here we have a solution. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. So what is it that is precipitating the seething cauldron of debate? It's, it's what do we do with these alcoholics? Why do they get drunk all the time? You know, this idea of the allergy of the body and obsession of the mind was radical. It was radical for this time. In fact, the reason it's called the doctor's opinion and not Dr. Silkworth's opinion or Dr. Silkworth's facts is because Dr. Silkworth understood how radical this was and he had no proof. So he was more than willing to support this movement, but he said, I'm going to be left out of the medical community if I put my name on this. So in the first edition, this was the doctor's opinion, and Dr. Silkworth's name wasn't put on it. But by the time the second edition came out and people started to see the success of Alcoholics Anonymous, started to see people get sober, stay sober, and get reunited with their families, the seething cold of the debate started to go down a little bit. And unfortunately, this is not true for OA. Doctors still don't know what to do with us. I mean, I've had three different people I know in the last six months that went to food rehab, and they had dessert night. What they thought the food rehab really still thinks is what they thought back then. The problem isn't that we eat our binge foods. The problem is that we overeat our binge foods. So the food rehabs, that, that, that I, the three that I know, which are one was in California, two were in New Jersey, they felt, if I can teach this person to have one piece, that's what I'm going to do. I'll tell them on Tuesdays and Fridays, have one piece. And we'll give them psychological treatment so they feel comfortable having one piece. You know, that's why we have to be so united as a fellowship on this message of the two-fold disease, the allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. And the other thing that is so prophetic about this book that was written in 1939 was how this cauldron of debate is even within our fellowship. You know, the fellowship, the further the fellowship gets away from the book, the more confused we are and the, the, the lower our recovery rate becomes. Because there are two Overeaters Anonymouses. There are two Alcoholics Anonymous. One is the fellowship. And the second is the program of recovery. The program of recovery in this book has never had to change. Its success rate has never changed when we work this book. But the further our fellowship gets away from this book, the more confused we are. The seething cauldron of debate. Is this a threefold illness or a twofold illness? Is the importance working the tools or is the importance working the steps? Should we be abstinent before we embark on this program, or can we get abstinent by working the steps? Do we demonize these foods, or do we worship this food plan? Those are the seasoned cauldrons of debate we have now in our fellowship. And the closer we get to this book, the more that we study this book, the healthier our fellowship will get. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone SB? else like to comment? Yes, Go hi, ahead. SB. Hi, everyone. It's SB, Compulsive Overeater. I'm very grateful for this meeting. And the words that struck out at me were, I am doomed. And I need to remember every single day, every minute, um, especially in tough times, that I am doomed. And it's 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 astonishing that I... Sometimes still think that, you know what, I can get back on. If I have a slip now and I know a slip means a binge, it's fine. No, I'll I'll have a slip now and and then tomorrow or the next day I'll just get right back on. I'll get right back on. I'm in a thin body, so what's the problem? And the more I listen to these Vision for You meetings, the more I integrate 
the messages that I hear here that I am doomed, no matter what, I am doomed. And unless I have a psychic change and I actively work the steps, then I am doomed. And I will keep going back to the food. And it's not just working the steps, it's also just remembering that until I'm through with the steps, just keeping the food down, or else I am doomed. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Rusty. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So this paragraph, yes, such a powerful, powerful sentence. The general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. So remember that this paragraph is coming directly on the heels of the paragraph before, where we were enlightened, where we were told, finally, that we have one symptom in common. We have one symptom in common, the allergy of the body. That somehow this phenomenon that you and I suffer from, if you're a compulsive overeater like me, is an allergy of my body. And guess what? It's here to stay. It's here to stay, that allergy of my body. I will never be free. It is a physiological difference in me than in, than in most other people. I have this phenomenon of craving once I pick up that first bite. That first bite sets off that phenomenon of craving in me. And why did the doctors think that people who had this malady were doomed? Because it was their experience. It was their experience. These alcoholics who were being treated by the doctors of the day could not get sober and stay sober. And so there was lots of debate, lots of debate, lots of attempts by lots of doctors to find a way to cure these people of their alcoholism. But so far, no one had been able to find that way to cure them. They might have some successes, with some psychological approaches. But for the chronic alcoholics, they were doomed. They were doomed. You know, and that's a pretty, pretty big word to use, doomed. But this paragraph immediately preceding it was the foundation of the whole book. It was the foundation of the whole book. And boy, was it good information for me to have. Good information for me to have. Because I had to quit testing my personal control that it was always going to be with me, this allergy of the body. And once I could accept that, I could see that, yes, I was just like these chronic alcoholics. I had been a chronic compulsive overeater under the delusion that someday, somehow, I could control and enjoy my eating. But the doctors had seen this among these alcoholics that they were treating. No matter how great the desire or the wish, they could not stop and they could not stop themselves from starting again. So, you know, even though there was lots of things written, pros and cons, and lots of ways in which they were trying to treat these people, the chronic alcoholics among them were doomed, were doomed, until this book and this information. You know, thank you, God. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? And we'll move on to Kathy Kay. Would you please read the next bit for us? Thank you. Thank you, Janice. This is Kathy, a recovered compulsive reader from Boston. What is the solution? Perhaps I can best answer this by relating one of my experiences. About one year prior to this experience, a man was brought in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. He had been partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. He had lost everything worthwhile in life and was only living, we might say, to drink. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. One year later, he called to me 
and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time, but was not able to bring myself to feel that I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time has passed with no return to alcohol. Wow. So this paragraph is such a beautiful example of the transformation that comes about from giving up the alcohol and working the 12 steps. Um, There are a couple of phrases here which really stand out to me. Uh, The first is, um, he seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. Oh, how, how much I identify with mental deterioration um, that I experienced, but almost didn't even realize I experienced it until I started to recover. Um, it had become such a way of life to me to live in negativity and to be um, in a brain fog. And uh, I just, I didn't know how far down I had gone. Um, And similarly, the dramatic shift that comes about uh, and that came about for this man a year later, um, that there was no resemblance and he was brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. Um, The contrast between the mental deterioration and the self-reliance and contentment just symbolize the the huge transformation that co- comes about when we work the 12 steps and abstain um you know i uh i've seen this transformation come about in so many of my fellows and it's what keeps me coming back um because it's very easy for me at least to take for granted um, where I am today in contrast to where I began my journey of recovery. Um, and I'm reminded on of it every time uh, I witness a newcomer who begins working this program and transforms in the way described here. I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sharona. Go ahead, Sharona. Um, uh, the reader just said that she didn't know how far she she got to in the mental deterioration, and I'm very touched because I I can identify with this sentence, and I <clears throat> I felt that the I rec- uh, Sharona confessible were either, and I I when I started uh, the steps by the big book. I did not know how far I got, and in the grace of God, my like I have I've been in the program for six months, and my life is getting better by the second. And I do, I do have problems, but I can easily come back to balance from unbalance. And I really thank God and you and your sharing, just making me. Just getting stronger by the day and taking one day at a time, and with that, I pass. Mm, thank you, Sharona. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Um, you know, and who would think that that is the best place to be? If you're a newcomer, you know, it's the best place to believe that everything you have tried is has not worked and it's not going to work, that you have to follow the solution that's outlined in this book and that the people on this line who um, identify themselves as recovered have followed this path, this path. And... You know, I I didn't think that I needed to change nearly as much as, as 
I did change. And I didn't think that I was ever going to recover, um, ever have a normal-sized body, ever have this obsession removed. I was trying when I found this program, um, when I found a solution that really worked for me in these rooms, um, I at that time was trying to find a way to just live with the problem. I was trying to build my life and have um, try to find some semblance of uh, happiness uh, in while still eating. I just thought I would never be able to stop, so I might as well just try to be happy with my miserable life. And of course, that's not what God had in mind. And so when I was presented with a very definite way of, um, you know, no mincing words, you know, that you have to put the food down, I was ready. And that's what this says. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. You know, I let go of the debate. I stopped saying but when people told me what I needed to do and how I needed to um, address my eating problem. I stopped saying that I had uh, was an exception to, um, to the basic principles of this program. And, you know, this uh, from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming, brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. You know, we have our own stories to share that we have changed. I am not the person I was when I walked into these rooms um, at 190 plus pounds with food all over me from having eaten all day. And I don't have to live that way anymore. And I really believed that it was never going to happen because I'd been in these rooms for six years and it had not worked. So I really thought, what other door is there? Because I have walked to this door, which I thought was the last door on the block, and it didn't work. But the person who had to um, change with me, I had to accept the plan outlined in this book. And, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been listening to this phone line. It doesn't matter how many phone calls you've made. If you're willing today to put down the food and to pick up this spiritual program, you can stop. And, you know, there are a lot of meetings out there that don't share this um, message the way we share it. And I, you know, I don't go to those meetings, but I am so grateful that we have this message that we're sharing and that um, we can see uh people change. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like Hi. to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Sheila Mash here. Go ahead, Sheila. Hi, this is Sheila from New York, compulsive overeater. Um, this one is screaming at me, um, pathological mental deterioration. Boy, I felt that when I'm into the sugar. It's like you don't know why you can't focus. You don't know why you're tired. You don't know why you can't remember something you just said or did. Um, as long as you're picking up your substance, this is what's going to happen. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. I've been there, kind of there, um, until I found this room. You know, I'm hearing about these two programs, one of fellowship and one of recovery. Well, I've spent the last six years in fellowship. Wonderful people. Nice, deep friends. But kind of felt like I'm just kind of passing the day, not really doing work. Um, it's had a profound effect on me this morning, and I just wanted to claim my seat and, and say um, how much I appreciate what's happening. I am connecting to people, and I am starting to get some hope because before it vision for you, I was just about, I don't know, just white-knuckling it, not really recovering but just showing up every day hoping for a miracle without doing the work for the miracle. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sheila. Would anyone Hi, else like to comment? This is Lisa. Leah. Lisa and then Leah. Thank you, Janice. 
Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Lisa, a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Um, this is such a wonderful paragraph here. Uh, what's jumping out to me is he accepted the plan outlined in this book. You know, acceptance is <laughs> so critical in in us understanding who we are and that we have this disease. And it doesn't say he accepted the plan outlined in this book and such and such and such and such and such. Everything that is needed to recover, everything that is needed to have a spiritual awakening and a psychic change is outlined in this book right here. And when it's such a beautiful evidence of the psychic change, the sentence that says, from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. And I'd like to focus on that word, self-reliance. Self-reliance based on the fact that we've turned our lives over to the care of God. I no longer have to be afraid when I am afraid. I pause and I ask God to remove my fear and show me how God would have me be. I no longer have to rely on myself because I have a power greater than myself who is with me not just with the food, who is with me every step of this journey. And I am so grateful that we we are so blessed on this line. You know, there are two fellowships in OA. And thank God this one emerged. I've been coming around for almost 17 years, and I'm grateful to say that I have finally recovered since December of last year. And that's because of the program outlined in this book. It's all here, and it's for everyone. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Lisa. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. What is the solution? Well, first, you know, I've I got to remember what my problem is, uh, and the big book teaches it well that I have a twofold disease. Obviously, you know, through these pages and the doctor's opinion, they've been teaching us about the allergy of the body, um, and that is a bad problem. That certainly is. That's a bad problem that uh, there are certain substances, and when I ingest them, it triggers uh, an allergic reaction, and that reaction is a phenomenon of craving. It's a bad problem because when you love to eat the way I love to eat and you can't control the amount you eat, once you start, that's a bad problem. But I've got another problem, and it's a lot worse than that. And the big book makes it clear, and the doctor's opinion also makes it clear that it's my main problem. It's a mental problem. I've got a problem with my mind. So what is the solution? What is going to be the solution? Obviously, the solution is going to have to be a power greater than myself that's going to restore me to sanity. Because since I can't eat those binge foods safely because of the allergy of the body, and I can't quit eating them, can't stop from picking up because of my mind, then I am powerless. That renders me powerless. So what's my solution going to be? The solution is going to be a power greater than myself that's going to restore me to sanity. That's going to bring me soundness of mind because the real problem is my mind making a decision to pick up. That's my real problem because all of a sudden I will change my mind and having that first bite seems like the best idea I've had in a long time. So I need a new mind. It says here, and then, of course, it describes a case. It says, he frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. 
He accepted the plan outlined in this book. And that's exactly what happens. You know, the disease beat me into a state of reasonableness through enough pain and through enough tears and through enough suffering and through enough degradation that broke me down where I basically was had to die before I could be born again. You know, and, and, and just to grab on to what appeared to be such a flimsy read, I didn't understand it. But what proved to be a loving hand of God, he accepted this, the plan outlined in this book. And that's what happens when we get so beaten down that we're out of tricks. You know what I mean? We're bloodied, mangled, done. Just no, no, no remedy left, no solution left, exhausted, weary from this disease. It says, one year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. That is a transformation. That is what is possible through this program of recovery. It's not a story of personal success, what happens in these rooms. This is the story of God's grace. And this is what's possible when we accept God's grace. This is about what happens through human failure when the grace of God can come in and make something of that human failure. And that's exactly what recovered people share. Recovered people share this transformation. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. That's exactly the duty and the responsibility and the obligation and the absolute pleasure of someone who's recovered. We come into a meeting and we share what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now. And when we do that... And when we say, when I say that I came from where I came from and I used to live the way I used to live and I used to feel and act the way I used to feel and act, and you tell me that's hard to believe, what a tribute that is to this program of recovery. Because I want to assure you that I looked and felt and acted exactly the way I tell my story. And that is the transformation that is possible. And that is what this whole program is all about, to grab hold of that spiritual awakening, that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hello. This is Miriam from Israel. Hello. Go ahead. I can hear you. Um, Go ahead. Yes, I'm listening to Vision for You and thinking about the miracles of God that gave Dr. Silkwood this wisdom because he wasn't, as far as I know, he wasn't alcoholic. And God gave him this wisdom because maybe if some alcoholics would bring all these ideas, nobody would listen. And somebody from outside, like he, like Dr. Carl Jung, like others that I read about that were outsiders and got from God. It's God's work, this wisdom to understand our disease and share it with the world. And this is really amazing. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I just wanted to comment on Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. You know, here was a man, here was a man, an alcoholic, who was like me, who was like me. When he was using the alcohol, when he was picking up again and again and again, he was in despair. He was in despair. A despairing wreck of a man trembling, despairing, nervous wreck because I began to get to that place where I couldn't trust myself. I would tell myself over and over again what I was going to do, but I could never get to that point where there was the elimination of the alcohol, where there was the elimination of the food until there was no place else to go, until there was nowhere to turn, until I was at the end at the end. So once 
the food was down. Once I became abstinent and grabbed hold of these steps as if my life depended on it, the program outlined in this book, there was a transformation. Once, once the food was down and I wasn't so crazy in the food anymore, then I could be renewed, restored, rehabilitated by the working of the 12 steps. And it is just, it is just so moving to me to hear Dr. Silkworth's words where he says, I, I knew the man by name. I, I partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. I could barely believe that this was the same person he's telling us. I, I got a feeling like I'd known this person before, but I, I, I couldn't recognize him for being the person he used to be because he had been transformed. He was, he was brimming with, with this newfound, new, new personality, <laughs> a psychic change, a psychic change. And, and what a wonderful thing. And I, I see it too. I so relate it to what was just shared that I have watched people come into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and be transformed. You know, a year later, barely, you can barely remember what it was like when they crawled in because they're shining with a new light in their eyes and they're, and they're at a normal body weight and they, they, they have a new attitude and a new outlook on life. And what a, what a miracle that is. But it's possible in a way that I never knew was possible until I accepted the plan outlined in this book. Thank you, God. Accepted the plan because there was nowhere else to go and nothing else to do. And I believed that I, too, was one of these chronic people. But I grabbed onto the hope. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Judy B. Go ahead, Judy. Uh, I just have to briefly comment on this paragraph because it's so moving to me. Um, I just think about the people that we've seen go through the program, people who have accepted the plan outlined in the book, and it's just miraculous to see the change that comes about. And I think of how how privileged and how honored I am to work with people that um, that have experienced this change and that... Um, you know, we're not like the doctor. In other words, we see these people or we talk to these people frequently and we get to see the progression of 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 the, the transformation. And it's just, it is such a joy, such a joy to know that, that this program can uh, can make such a difference in their lives. And And for me, it's just a treasure to know that I have have been with that person and, and worked with them and talked with them and have shared with them, uh, even have learned from them, you know, so much as they work this program. And, you know, they are the bright spots in our lives. We are so privileged to be able to uh, to meet up with people who are, are looking for an answer to this problem and and for God to use us in any way that he wants to. And it is not, it is not um, a burden at all. It is the most wonderful, wonderful joy to, um, to give time to others and to pay back what we've been so, so beautifully given. And uh, just, just reading this paragraph made me think about the people that I have um, seen change and uh, just just so grateful to be part of their lives and part of this uh, whole movement that uh, that will make a difference in people's lives. We are, we are just so blessed to have found this program and uh, anyone can do it if they accept the plan outlined in this book and they're willing to put in the time and the effort and, and to trust their higher power. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Now we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Esther, if you would read that for us. 
Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis and, deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought that treatment a waste of effort unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. Good morning, um, a vision for you. My name is Esther, a compulsive reader in Canada. Um, in the next paragraph or so, we'll find out what, it, what happened to this um, uh, drunk fellow, but I, I actually wanted to comment on the words here, mental uplift, and and really reiterate what someone earlier had shared, but that nothing brought greater joy to Dr. Silkworth um, than watching the transformation of those desperate bottom-level alcoholics. And I believe this is true for all of us as well in the program of recovery. We're also filled with a sense of joy when we watch the transformation of compulsive overeaters in our meetings. And even on this line, I found, you, you know, we'll hear people announce themselves as newcomers and, you know, if they're more courageous or desperate, then perhaps they'll ask a question or two during the discussion time at the you know at the end of the meetings um they may express brokenness or desperation or you know what they've been doing that hasn't been working and once they too accept the plan outlined in this book then it's then as surely as it's promised in this book the transformation occurs and we hear it in their voices sometimes it's exciting to hear those very people come back to the line sharing being speakers or panelists and it brings us great joy. I know for myself it's amazing and exciting to watch. It reminds me of that line on page 153, which states, the age of miracles is still with, with us. This is definitely the stuff to give someone a mental uplift. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Christy. Go ahead, Christy. Hi, good morning, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, uh, you know, that sentence is just, it's heartbreaking. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. And, you know, I mean, that's, you know, it's heart-wrenching to read that, and yet it is exactly, exactly where the patient needed to be. At least that's the way it was for me. I, uh, you know, for me, um, you know, I came into OA in 1994. I weighed 340 pounds. I lost 140 pounds. I gained 100 of it back. You know, I left OA for about a year and a half, and I was stark raving crazy. I was absolutely insane. And, you know, the fact that I weighed 300 pounds was beside the point. You know, that was the least of my problems, believe it or not. Believe it or not. I was crazy. And that was my problem. I couldn't live with the insanity. I could not live with the insanity for one more minute. That was it for me. I had no hope that I would ever be at a, you know, a maintenance weight, um, you know, in, insane, that's what I thought I had, you know, that's, that's what I had to look forward to. And I couldn't do it anymore. You know, and for me, that was, you know, the solution that I could come up with. I, I just knew there was nothing more I could do. There was nothing more I could do. I had long since given up uh, going on diets to lose weight. You know, that part, again, like I said, you know, I, I didn't even care about anymore. I was, I was beyond hopeless, if that's even possible. And, um, you know, the solution I had come up with is to end my life. That was it. That was all I could come up with. That was all I could come up with. You know, relapsing from OA, gaining my weight back, it was, that was the best I could come up with. That was my best thinking. And I have no idea except for, you know, that spirit of the universe that guided me to an OA meeting where I found the solution, where, you know, the solution was presented to me. Not only the solution, but the nature of my problem that we've been discussing in these powerful, important words in the doctor's opinion. 
that, you know, my problem wasn't just that I weighed 300 pounds, but that, you know, once I ingested certain foods, I couldn't stop. And the obsession of the mind was going to make it so that there was no way I was, I was going to, you know, not pick up that first bite. I mean, I needed to have the problem outlined. I needed to have the problem very clearly defined and presented to me and the fact that there was a solution. Um, and that was powerful for me. That was so powerful for me to walk into a meeting with complete, you know, no hope. I mean, again, you know, why would I even go to a meeting if I had absolutely no hope? And maybe that's where some of you are, absolutely hopeless and despairing that you will ever, ever get well. And I'm here to tell you that it's possible. I'm here to tell you that it's possible. You know, I weigh, I weigh half of what I weigh. And have weighed, at a, I've been at a maintenance weight for 10 years. For 10 years, I never thought that was possible. To walk by and to be around food that, you know, at one point I would not have been able to stop thinking about. It doesn't bother me today. It doesn't bother me today. I don't want it. I don't want it. I, I've grown away from the food through applying the principles of this program to every single aspect of my life. I have completely been transformed, you know, and... You know, as part of the tradition we have at my meeting, you know, when I tell my story, I show pictures so people can see what I used to be like. And, you know, I remember one time saying, you know, I wish I could show you pictures of how I, how I felt inside. And I wish I could show you pictures of what was going on in my head because that was really where the problem was. And I've had people come up to me afterwards and say, oh, it's very clear in your pictures how miserable you were in your mind and your body. And, you know, again, I can't tell you enough of how, I mean, I could just go on forever about the ways in which this program has saved my life and given me a design for living that works under all conditions. It's incredible. It is incredible. And, um, you know, I hope that uh, you're as hopeless as I was. I hope you're as hopeless as I was because I want you to know that this is the solution that worked for me, and if it worked for me, maybe it can work for you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, this Kim. This is Sharona. Go ahead. First Kim and then Sharona. Thanks, Dennis. He thought the treatment a waste of effort, unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. You know, that's looking for that human solution. That's looking for that way that I can control my illness. You know, getting excited when the latest fad diet is going to come out, or maybe a new pill is coming out, or maybe a new gym is opening, or a new exercise program is opening. That's going to give me the willpower. You know, coming in, being taught to, to vomit, that'll be good. Then I can enjoy my food and I can just get rid of it. You know, coming into OA and being told, well, if I do this tool, if I go to enough meetings, if I eat this perfect food plan, then I'm going to be able to control the impulse to drink. They're all human solutions. They're all human solutions. And, and what we're being told here is that we are beyond human aid. You know, I'm going to read from page 44 in the Agnostics. It says, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might. But the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But how and where were we to find this power? I mean, that's the point this man is in. He's saying, unless you can assure me that my will, my will can overcome this impulse to drink, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because I've tried everything. I've tried everything to, to get out of this, but I can't. So unless you can assure me, I'm just going to drink myself to death. What else, what other choice do I have? I remember getting there. 
I remember getting there, sitting alone at 27 in my parents' house and my Holly Hobby furniture, binging on a Saturday night while my friends were out on dates and, and enjoying different things. It's like, what's the point? Who cares? I can't do this. Little did I know that at getting to that point with it, my human willpower failed utterly. That was the moment I was going to be willing to reach out for a power greater than myself and find a way. But that's where he's in. He's still at that point where he thinks, if you can tell me how I can willpower, how I can muster it up, how I can pull myself up from my bootstraps, then I'm willing. If not, what is the point? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Go ahead, Sharona. Hi, this is Sharona, Compassive Overeater. I just want to say that I, when I came to OA uh, for the first time, this program, I mean, um, I just I remember that the last few months before I came, I cried myself out every night going to sleep and not knowing, just getting to the bottom and not knowing how I'm going I just didn't have the power. I didn't have the, I didn't have any willpower to stop eating. I just kept eating all day long, and I gave birth uh, eight months ago, and I remember I couldn't wake up at night to take care of the baby. My husband had to wake up for me, and I just felt that I lost my my mental, I just felt that I lost my mind and I'm going to be crazy. And just, I felt like one second, one thread is going to, is separating me from a nervous breakdown and I'm going to be admitted um, by my own uh, will or not. And I was so frightened. And I really thank God that just, slowly making me understand that he is the manager and I'm only I'm only the player and he's going to control everything and he's going to organize my life and and I'm going to listen to what he's doing and he will go he's going to lead me in my life and in this beautiful path um and and with that I pass Thank you, Sharona. Hi, this is Dana. Go ahead. Hi, everybody. This is Dana, compulsive eater, recovered compulsive eater in Dallas, Texas. Very grateful to be here. I just had a a quick thought. I know we're getting towards the end. Maybe someone else will be able to chime in also. But um, I just had a quick thought about how this cycle is so amazing. You know, I'm in this 12th step now, studying, working with others. And, um, you know, we're supposed to really dwell on the hopelessness of the situation. That's the whole point of the doctor's opinion, more about alcoholism, Bill's story that we're going to get into after, after the doctor's opinion. And, you know, being able to dwell on the hopelessness of this disease, because unless we realize that this is really futile and hopeless, like Kim described, I was in the same place. I just kind of went, okay, I guess binging and purging is just the way it's going to be for me because I tried everything, everything that I that humanly possible, relying on pills, relying on doctors, relying on people, relying on self, relying on diets, relying on whatever. Every method failed me. And, you know, and then in a way, <laughs> relying on tools, like I said, relying on a sponsor, you know, what I was taught is that you need someone who's going to point you to God. That's the purpose of a book. And that's the purpose of the program because no human power can relieve me. That means I can't relieve me. I'm human. And guess what? You can't relieve me either. You're human. My husband can't relieve me. My kids can't relieve me. A job can't relieve me. Money can't relieve me. All of those are futile. My disease is hopeless unless I tap into a power greater than myself. And I just love this cycle, you know, that the people that are in the disease at the moment are learning about the hopelessness and think of, you know, really Dwell on it. Dwell on how bad, how bad it is, and listen to the people describe how bad it gets. And um, you know, and we all have yet. You know, well, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't weighed 300 pounds yet. Why et? You're eligible too. You know, I'm eligible. If I have this disease, I am eligible for for that prize. You know, but I'm also eligible for recovery if I follow the directions in the book 
and um, you know, do you want to stop and are you willing to go to any length? Those are the questions that were asked of me. And um, those are the questions that, you know, I guess we all need to ask ourselves. And if the answer is yes, then the directions are here. So I'm very grateful to be absent today. Thank you. Thank you, Dana. Well, uh, we will close the meeting here. And uh, I want to say thank you, everyone who has shared and who helped with the meeting. Um, Irini and Margaret and Penny C and Kathy and Esther and Katie and all of those who shared this morning. Thank you so much. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Katie, could you please read that for us? Yes, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>